It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Thanks for joining us on our special one hour of coverage, Supply Chain Shock on Inside Sources here with KSL News Radio, brought to you by Volkswagen Southtown. For years, we've really had the luxury of having pretty much anything we wanted whenever we wanted, always at our fingertips, thanks to a global supply chain. Uh, there are thousands of options for just about any one product that you want, but could this shock to the supply chain that we're seeing and watching play out before ours, could it change all that? Miles Hansen is president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, and he joins us on the line now to discuss whether or not the U.S. can move forward, whether protectionist economy is in the offing here, or what comes next, uh, especially for those here in the state of Utah. Miles, welcome back to the program. Boy, it's great to be on today, and thank you for covering this issue in a full hour on it. This is such an important issue that really affects consumers and companies and really our national economy. Yeah, so let's break it down just a little bit. I've been dying to ask you from your unique vantage point and your experience, what do you see as the main drivers of this? What are the things we're not thinking about when it comes to the supply chain? You know, Boyd, what I what I really see is there's been a really significant surge in demand. At the same time, we're facing constraints in supply. So on the demand side, right, a lot of pent-up uh, demand uh, during the pandemic. We've seen really unprecedented government intervention, right? Lots of government money that's getting injected in economies, not just here in the United States, but around the world, that leads to an increase of consumption. We've also seen a really fundamental shift and how businesses think about supply chains. And so shifting from just-in-time delivery to just-in-case. If you're a procurement specialist at a company anywhere in the world, at this point, the last thing that you want to have to do is to go to your boss and say, I'm sorry, we didn't order enough of it, or we don't have enough. And as companies do that in mass around the world, it's leading to this really historic increase in demand. And then the last thing on the demand side that I think is uh, the most important and will last the longest is we've seen a lot of increased productivity mm. during the pandemic, and it happened very quickly. With the disruption and, and all the pain that, that that caused, there have been significant productivity gains, which mm. then leads to more uh, demand over time. And where the first three things are, are temporary in nature, this last one is one that will continue in the years to come. Oh, that's uh, that's great insight. Nobody's talking about that and uh, that it will be a, a continued driver as, as we move everything forward. Uh, I want to get your perspective, My- Miles, in terms of there's a lot of chatter in terms of, OK, this is we've we got to get back to made in the USA. We've got to get to some of these protectionist uh, kinds of things to, to keep things uh, inside. And of course, a few years ago, that was you know blasphemy to talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and now suddenly those same people are, are saying, no, we have to do it here at home. Uh, how do you see it? You know, I think it's really important to, to again, look at these, these drivers of demand. And then on the supply uh, side, uh, we've had constraints in, in labor supply, and it's pandemic-related, and also some unions, uh, you know, slowing things down in ports. We've seen a consolidation of the shipping market over the past several years that has also reduced supply of, of shipping and logistical infrastructure. Uh, with port infrastructure, right, there's not enough land in the, in the, on, the, on the coast to expand our port infrastructure, 
And we're also seeing increasingly constraints in the supply of energy. Mm. And so when I look at it, to your question, it's like, okay, on, on the demand side and supply side, what is temporary and what will likely yeah. pass and what is long-term? And on both the demand supply side, you do see some long-term uh, uh, drivers that will persist, uh, that will make it a little bit more difficult. That is augmented with an increase of, of industrial policy, which means more government intervention in the economy than what we've seen over the past few decades. That's likely to persist. All that means more barriers to global trade, and I think increases the risk of global supply chains. And not that it needs to change fundamentally, but companies need to take that into uh, account. And what that will mean is uh, more competitiveness, or I'm sorry, reshoring jobs in the United States, nearshoring to North America, mm-hmm. because of the increased risks with sourcing from elsewhere in the world. Uh, sourcing here, whereas a few years ago, maybe it didn't make sense from a cost perspective. Today, companies are thinking it more of uh, like an insurance cost, mm-hmm. and it does make business sense to do things. And so it's absolutely something the companies ought to be looking at, is what does all this mean for their supply chains and reshoring the United States and nearshoring is something that virtually every company needs to at least take a very close look at. Yeah. And then to see, does it still make sense uh, moving forward to, 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 to source things elsewhere in the world or to try to bring uh, bring things closer to home. Yeah. Wow. Great insight there. I want to ask you before I let you go. Uh, obviously, Utah has increasingly been uh, not just a crossroads to the West, but crossroads to the world. We have importers and exporters uh, that are really critical here in the state of Utah. Uh, what, what are you seeing from World Trade Center Utah in terms of how local companies are, are dealing with this? And what are some of the things that you're hoping on the horizon will will help them to move forward with that kind of confidence you just described? You know, boy, we've done a lot of work with, with our great exporters and importers here in the state, all of whom are, are struggling with this, trying to figure out what it means and how to move forward. And I'll tell you, if, uh, if there's ever a place that knows how to come together to try to solve challenges, it's Utah. And, and what we have here is uh, increased focus on the importance of the inland port and expanding our, our, our port infrastructure, uh, right? This is uh, important not just for Utah, but for North American supply chains. And if there's ever a time to underscore the fact that we don't have enough port infrastructure on the coasts, it's now. And so we've been uh, very much uh, doing everything we can to support the Inland Port Authority and the important work that they're doing. We're also looking at how can we get more cooperation among our exporters and importers and exploring setting up uh, a Crossroads Export-Import Alliance, I think is what we're calling it at this point, to say, could we work together to create more heft in market power with shipping companies if we could take all of our exporters and importers and increase coordination so then we can sit down across from a shipping company and say, hey, we can represent a much larger volume of containers than what any company could do by itself and use that in order to get better service in and out of Utah, to get better costs for Utah companies, and then to think more broadly about how can we work together to help optimize supply chains for Utah companies. And this is innovative. It's very collaborative. It's an ongoing effort. But as we try to do this, I am confident that we're going to come up with innovative solutions here in Utah that's going to help our companies continue to be competitive. And that's going to help them here at home, but also they compete in markets around the world. Uh, that kind of uh, alliance is uh, is the Utah model uh, in action, and that's a that's actually an exciting thing to think about. And I think this is important for for listeners to to think through that. You know, a lot of the great breakthroughs and break withs in history happen at the very worst of times by people who are willing to lean in uh, and to form alliances, maybe even with people that are regularly your competitors or even your adversaries. 
Uh, and I think this is one of those, uh, Miles, I appreciate you raising that. And I do think that's such a critical piece for us. Anything else we should be watching in the near term? Just uh, real quick. I'd be watching holiday shopping lists. And, and we've, we've heard it. You've probably heard from others, but uh, it is getting, uh, this thing is, is probably going to get worse before it gets better. And so people should be thinking about what they need to consume and, and order well in advance. The other thing that's really important is, is energy shortages in China and elsewhere in the world. Um, it's something that, that I haven't seen a, a whole lot of press on yet outside of more kind of specific uh, people who look at energy industries. But there are coals at an all-time high. We're looking at propane shortages, gas, oil as well. That is going to have a ripple effect on the economy. And so that's something over the coming months, especially as it gets colder in the northern hemisphere, that people should be keeping an eye on. Uh, great insight, as always. Miles Hansen, the president and CEO of World Trade Center Utah, uh, leading some really important conversations, some crucial conversations as it relates to the supply chain uh, around the world and right here in the state of Utah. Miles, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Boyd. Have a great day. All right. Uh, again, Miles Hansen from World Trade Center Utah. Uh, so that uh, brings us to the end of, uh, of our first hour, this special hour on uh, the supply chain issues going on, the supply chain crisis that many are, are looking at. And we're going to do what we always like to do on this program. We're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer. We're not quite done. We're going to unpack some of the things we learned over the last hour, give you some insight of what you need to be watching for in the days and months ahead. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. We'll be back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.